Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 580 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing as perfect as that opening was, Todd. Textbook. Textbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wasn't there a guy me- who played for the Cowboys? His name was Textbook. I think it was. I think there was. He was a he was a left-end guard. He sat at the uh, left end of the bench and guarded the water bucket. Oh, boy. <laughs> You never heard that joke before? No, I have. Oh. What most most of my jokes are brand new. How do you hear them, Joe? <laughs> because I, I have the same Henny Youngman joke book that you do. <laughs> oh, Henny, you are a good egg. Not Henry, just so you No, I got you. Okay. <laughs> so how you doing today, Joe? I'm doing good. Uh no banter. Let's get into the show. You oh. claimed before we started recording it was going to be a short show, and I'm going to hold you to this. It is going to be a short show. So in news, DC rehashes an old idea, which is the first time it's ever happened in comics. Also, Diamond gets cyber attacked, and my technological knowledge—I'll explain it all, or I'll let Joe explain it and, you know, <laughs> and say and, 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 and see when he's wrong. You know, I don't want to get on you. And also, uh, a an opportunity that I created may be coming to fruition. We'll, we'll get there. Um, also, conventions, digital sales. What we read last week, which was both the Human Target number one and Dark Knights of Steel number one. Um, what we're looking forward to this week, Todd and Joe have issues with the Clone Saga and Jonah Hex. Uh, Todd's Art Attack. And at the end of the show, we will have spoiler-filled talk of Legends of Tomorrow, the season finale of Stargirl, and doc- the latest episode of Doctor Who. That sounds like a pretty full show, Todd. I think uh, you're going to break your word to me here. I've never broken my word to you before about a short show. Yes. Uh, So there's rumors and innuendo, which this show does not deal in. (laughs) But I only put it on the list here because people are assuming that since we are coming up on the 30-year anniversary of the death and return of Superman, that DC is going to do the same thing again in the comic books and quote-unquote kill off Clark Kent and replace him with his son, the son of Superman, as Superman, right? right? And it's everyone drawing these lines and like, oh, well, I think this cryptic line here means this, and this other cryptic line here means this. And I'm like, I don't know. I remember from the first issue of Super, like, what, what what's the what's the book called? It's uh, Superman, Kal El, son of Superman. Yeah. In in that book, Kal El, su- son of Superman. Clark tells John, it's like, yeah, you know, you're going to have to be Superman of Earth. I'm going away. I don't know how long I'm going to be gone for. And I'm like, I don't know. That seems pretty clear that he's going to be gone. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're going to kill him, but I think they're going to compromise him to a permanent end so that John is going to have to be the Superman of Earth, even though in the first issue of his own ongoing book, Clark told him, you're going to have to be the Superman of Earth while I'm gone for a predetermined amount of time. See, sometimes I think you actually don't read the books that we discuss on this show. No? Right, because in a whole through line in Superman's Son of Kal-El is that Kal-El is like, he's nervous, 
because that while he was in the future for Legion, where he grew up to that age, is he gets some information that there's going to become a point around his life. They don't have an exact date that Superman goes off and he never, ever comes back. Okay. But, but, uh, uh, Jonathan can't say anything because that'll disrupt the timeline. Wibbly wobbly, timey whiny. So he's like, I may never see my father again. And then in the first issue, he's like, it's that quick that he's going to go off and probably die. Like, cause he never comes basically because what would keep Superman away from his family? What's the only thing? And they think it's, it's death. So like that's kind of maybe more what they're leaning to why they're going to kill him than you know, the 30th anniversary. Right. So again, it's not that I didn't read it, but again, the the part of Jonathan having these like whatever memories from when he was in the Legion, am I misremembering the part where Clark is like, I might have to go away for a long time and you might have to be the Superman of Earth, you know? Right. But the way you kind of said it was like, well, this is why, you know, they're making it like people would misunderstand. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I guess maybe what what I'm saying is, is in that first issue, even if you take into consideration the part that I forgot where Jonathan is like, I have this thing that I know my dad is going to be gone and never come back. Wink. But I can't (laughs) tell anyone, but I'm telling you the reader that this has happened. Like, that's not really a tease. That's like coming right out and telling us that it's going to happen. Right. So that's why I was kind of confused with this whole situation. Yeah, it's uh, and again, I think it's just that the fact that people are reporting on this are just reading Superman and not reading Kal-El, Son of Superman. Right. My personal problem with all of this, that if that's true, then we're not far behind with the anniversary of Discount Bargain Batman. Oh, so, boy. Uh, if we get Son of you know, Kal-El being Superman, who knows what Jamoke they'll put in the Batman outfit, you know? I assume it's just going to be Damien getting a fancy as-bat suit. Oh, mm-hmm. well, he would be a better Asbat, so we'd all be a better Asbat. <laughs> we don't get the Asbat we want; we get the one we deserve. Yeah, I, and again, I don't know. I think if DC attempts to hype this up as some sort of anniversary event or something, mm-hmm. um, and, it's not that I'm going to feel cheated, but I'm going to be like, did anyone not read these books as Todd's accusing me of not reading these books. True. But also people forget. And I do forget because I wasn't reading the book. They killed him off in the new 52 run too. Like in a, in like to remember the, like, you know, like once again, Superman dies, nobody cared because it was new 52. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not like, not only have we been here before, we've been here before twice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in other news, over the weekend, Diamond had their website <laughs> hacked and targeted by ransomware. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, Diamond had a backup emergency website that they could go to, but that took them a while to get to because they were down for the entire weekend. Right. And I don't think they were back up until sometime on Monday. So that resulted in pretty much everyone across the world. Well, I said the world, the United States and the UK, at the very least. Uh, not getting most of their books this week. Right. Or at least on time. Or at least on time. Um, mm-hmm. It says here, it just says some delays will occur. Mm-hmm. Canada, no delays. Um, drop points in Baltimore, Boston, and Dallas should be okay. Um, and they are saying that... Uh, 
you know, there's just going to be some delays of anything that was supposed to be in shops for the 10th. Right. Because I got a text from a super secret insider uh-huh. today that said books are late due to Diamond being hacked. I was like, OK, um, so do you mean like they're late, like definitely not at all this week or blah, blah, blah. And they were like, or maybe tomorrow. And they're like, yeah, maybe tomorrow. But no tracking has been given. So interesting. Uh-huh. So it just stinks, you know, you would think, I, I jokingly, why would you hack Diamond? You'd want to hack like Lunar or somebody else's that whatever, right? Right. Um, but yeah, this stinks, man. I'm glad, like, imagine if they didn't have a backup website Ugh. and they never got to it. Like, what would happen to those books? Right. And I... I... I don't know. And I don't understand all of it because like, you know, it's technological stuff as, as I joke, but uh, like, are they, is somebody like blackmailing these people for money? Cause I know like this year that there was a bunch of like people that were like, Oh, we destroyed your sites. If you send a check to this Cayman account or like whatever, we'll get you back up and running. And a couple people paid it off and stuff like that. I'm like, or is this just some random hacker like having fun for it? Because if they are just some random hacker having fun, stay away from comics. Go find other stuff. You know? Yeah. There, aren't there more lucrative things that don't directly affect me in this show that you can go and mess with? Yeah. Like take down the feed at pay-per-views or something. I don't know. Yeah. I know. No. Wait a minute. <laughs> right. So. Uh, hopefully we'll have all our books this week, or at least at some point this week, fingers crossed for all of us. Right. If not, we can always get them digitally and then hopefully we'll get the physical copies. Yes. Now, last but not least, um, we talked about it a little bit the last couple of weeks, but now here we are that there is now a shortage on comic book supplies, not just your favorite food items and sheets. Right. Uh, so bags and backs, or as some Philistines call them, boards, right. are in short supply. I know our local shop only had Golden Age bags and backs for like the last two weeks. And then the, just this past week, they had had some sort of like Curds. third party company I never heard of that yep. was a label printed on a white piece of paper. And I think their logo was drawn in by hand. <laughs> right. Crazy Teddy's discount back uh, backing boards. Right. Something like that. <laughs> um, but Todd jokingly tweeted out that maybe someone should go and buy the rare bags and backs that are available out there and go send them out to be graded. And he <laughs> actually got a bite from PGX on it. Right. Full disclosure, it was actually the mad bassist who said that. Yes. And But they did answer us back. They don't answer us back in emails, but they answered us back there, and they're like, hmm, they did the scratching a chin emoji, I guess that's what that yes. is. And I'm like, you know, it's not that far-fetched that, like, getting a pristine – like, if you're going to get a 9.8 comic, then it should be in a 9.8 uh, bag and board. I, I'm with it. I'm down for the opportunity, Joe. Mm-hmm. And since I have a closet full of bag and boards, I'm ready to get on this train. So I guess what alerted some people to this was that people were selling uh, the resealable modern and current age bags mm-hmm. on eBay for like 30 bucks for a hundred. Yep. And I even saw like my friend Chris was happy that he found some out in the wild. Uh, he's down in Florida. Like he saw them at like 20 bucks. Mm hmm. And I'll say this, 
BCW, who, you know, they do supplies. If you go to their website, which is bcwsupplies.com, um, you'll see that there is a lot of stuff that's back ordered till April of next year. But there's also like a lot of current and modern day stuff that's on back order to next Tuesday. Right. See, so it's not ahead. like you have to wait that long. And if it's you, a, go ahead, I'm sorry. I know I'm you go fed, sorry. And I was gonna say if you really need supplies, whether it be modern age or silver age or whatever it is, and you want to help out the show as well, you can click on our Amazon banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. They're in stock there, and there's no markup on the price there either. Sweet. I checked. That is sweet. Um, see, like I'm I, on uh, bags and boards. I'm a I'm brand loyal, so I stocked up on my brand. Um, anything slim. Um, so <laughs> I I have them, but like if I had to go. And get other stuff, I would. I've done it before when I've had to, and there's been not shortages, but the supply chain was broken. Um, but I'm which is harder to find is the silver age ones. I'm a silver age guy when it comes to bags and boards because it gives you more breathing room. Like if you get like a thicker comic like of today, it it, it goes better. The regular like 20, 24 pages, it doesn't matter. But you can get like uh what do you call it? Uh, the 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 bound ones and stuff like that. Or if I do need have a silver age comic, it work works for both because obviously you can put a Modern comic in a Silver Age bag. You can't put a Silver Age comic in a Modern Age bag. So that's the way I look at it. Yeah, and like I said, I'm a Silver Age guy myself. Um, you know, just for the reasons that you mentioned. Even sometimes a book these days will just be like a little too thick. Yeah. And you just got to give it like a little wiggle to get it in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I typically t- attempt to stick with what our shop has in stock. Which is the Comic Cares. Right. Which threw me off when they changed their logos. Yes. And then I I was talking to the bassist and he was like, no, it's all the same. Still the same stuff. But there was a comic care was two different companies under the same banner. Like we we're using the same product and one goes here, one goes there. And they were like, we're done with that. We're saving money and just using the same uh, logos for everything. I was like, okay, this all makes sense to me now. So give me comic care. And I always say, if for Christmas, this is a bad year because of the shortage. If you have a comic collector in your in your life and you can find out their brand of like bags and boards, that makes a great gift anytime. Like yep. my brother used to get me those all the time. It's always good, uh, as as Todd mentioned, for the comic book person in your life. Mm-hmm. So that's really all we got in news uh, for this week. I have a lot of emails. I apologize. There are conventions this weekend. Uh, Albany Comic Con in Albany, New York. Uh, very much a comic book convention. It's one day. Uh, no media guests. Lots of comic folks. Ron Mars, Steve Orlando, Tom Rainey, Paul Pelletier. So if you're in the upstate New York area, nothing better to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, then in Grand Rapids, Michigan, is the Grand Rapids Comic Con. Again, slightly less media guests. The only one that really jumped out to me uh, was Dirk Benedict of the hit movie Body Slam and nothing else. (laughs) Right. 
and uh, Jeremy Clark, Kyle Higgins, Jay Lee, and a lot more uh, comic book folks. No wrestling folks out and about this weekend. Must be something big going on this weekend that they're all tied up with that. Mm, I wonder what it could be. <laughs> uh, but the links to all of those uh, conventions would be in the show notes to every single one of these posts. Along with soon to be named network, uh, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, anytime any of the shows in our network of group of like minded folks goes live, or those folks appear on any other shows, you could find it there, uh, whether it be Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, At Odds with Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments. Wings on Wings, Hit My Music, or Porch Talk, which uh, may have had its season finale this week. Never know. Weather depending. That's right. It's it's the only it's the only podcast uh, that is weather uh, that has could be delayed by the weather. Yep. Uh, also check out our friend Kevin Hellion's website over at MassLibrary.com for all the uh, trade paperback reviews that he does. A lot of the you know Kickstartery stuff, a little bit more indie stuff than we cover here on the show. Uh, Rick Williams, the Chop Shop, freekaratechops.storeenvy.com. All the cool resin and glow-in-the-dark sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures that he does. Uh, listeners of the show, Chris Runt and Jason Sandberg, respectively, put out their own self-published comic books, Battle Monsters and Jupiter, respectively. You can check those out over at Comixology. And also, we talked about them here, but you can also check out our comic book store, Comics on the Green. Uh, link to their stuff is there. If you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. They do a fantastic mail order subscription service. Whether you get your books weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly, uh, that's a almost guarantee that you're going to pick up your books because they're picking them up and, send them and sending them to you. And you might even have a sketch from our friend Becky on there, and you can go check out the process for a lot of the stuff that she does on her social media. All of that is linked up in the show notes of every single one of these episodes. Yep. Also, digital sales, if you're more of a digital guy, there's a few sales. I think they're going to dip a little bit and then pick back up as we get a little bit closer to the holidays. Uh, Marvel having sales still on Eternals. Excuse me, uh, Red Hulk, Dr. Octopus, and Wolverine stuff. And uh, I would be remiss not to mention, they're doing a Dr. Octopus sale. There's no reason not to buy Superior Spider-Man. Right. Uh, one, of the ba- one of my favorite comic book stories of all time, definitely of the last, like, however many years, whenever that came out. Uh, they do have a collection currently that's, like, the first 16 issues plus the three issues of Amazing Spider-Man that led up to it. And the sale price on that is nine bucks. Ooh. That's that's a heck of a deal, if I yes, do say is. so myself. Uh, strangely, DC does not have a sale this week. I hope someone gets fired over that one. <laughs> um, but Titan still has their sales going on on Blacklist, which is until the end of January. And Doctor Who stuff as well. Oh, good for Doctor Who. Yes. Hooray for Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, I'm going to clip that out with my ringtone maker and make that my tech sound when you <laughs> when you contact me. Good luck. Yep. 
So, hey, Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. Sure. I'm going to start with The Human Target, which was the book I was looking forward to most, which is written by Tom King, art by Greg Smallwood. Um, the book is about Christopher Chance, the human target, whose job it is, is if somebody's out to get you, if your life's been threatened, any of these things, he basically masquerades as you and takes the, 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 the brunt of it or figures out who's doing it so you can be safe. So basically in this one, he just has decided to, well, he gets hired by a very, very famous person in the DC universe, Lex Luthor, because someone is always probably out to kill Lex Luthor. So he goes and does like this big like PR event. And uh, I like the fact that as it's going on, he's like in his own mind talking about how like he's not the young Christopher Chance anymore. He's older and like different, like how his body's like, betraying him as he gets older and i'm like i can understand all this stuff but uh <laughs> uh so basically someone takes their you know their their move on lex luthor and you know he doesn't die but maybe there was some other way that they took a run at him and maybe jack uh jack i'm saying jack t chance he was green lantern uh, a green lantern um might be dying and he only has 12 days to figure out who was after lex luthor um, and along the way, there's some clues, this and that, that the thing that was used has this, you know, plot stuff is what we'll call it, the radiation on it, that the only person they know that would have been to where that radiation was, was Justice League International. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go look into this. Um, I really like, I, I was a little let down by this book because there wasn't a lot of JLI in it. That was the only disappointing thing about it. I was like, I thought we were going to get to it right from the get go, but it's more the, the payoff at the end that these were, we're going to look into, which isn't a spoiler because that was the whole push of this book. Um, but I do like the fact that the human target is very much like James Bond in the novels, not so much the movies where he's had too many martinis in his life and maybe like, you know, from being beaten up, stabbed and shot, he's worn down. So I, I like that feel of like a 60s like spy, even though he's not a spy, kind of a deal. So I, I love that detective noir thing. I'm just hoping because this is very dark in the story they're telling that when we get to the JLI that it's completely like, like the dichotomy of hit his dark character, noir character with the justice league characters goes that way. I don't want it to be like, you know, dark justice league characters. So I, the jury's still out on that, but I enjoyed the first issue. As did I. Um, so I really liked Greg Smallwood's art in this, right? And I think the way that he drew um, Luthor, especially, every time that Luthor spoke, I heard Clancy Brown's voice. I, I can understand that. Yes. Um, I think, and again, this is my opinion, so there's the bit where um, Chase, uh, Chase as Luthor drinks the coffee. Okay. Yep. And am I saying Chase or is it Chance? You can correct it's, me. It's Christopher Chance. Chance. You can correct me. I was waiting till there was a breath, but go ahead. Chance drinks the coffee. He's Lex. And he's rude to his assistant or the other person. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then there's the part where they come back after the attempt on his life. 
and Chance and Luther are talking. And whether it was intentional or not, I think this plays into what you were saying in regards to Chance maybe not having it anymore. Because Mm -hmm. he's kind of not being Lex as Lex is portrayed in this book. Because we know Lex is evil, we know Lex is bad. But even when he's in the private conversation with Chance, Lex isn't as, like, mustache-twirlingly evil as Chance played him as in that one little moment we get to we got to see him backstage as. Right. So, there is a bit of the mystery. I definitely don't think the Justice League International had anything to do with it. I definitely think that they're being framed. It would certainly seem as though they're being framed by Lex Luthor because there's the there's the two there's the period there of missing time. Mm-hmm. And any conspiracy type theorist person knows that the, the 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 mystery is solved in that missing time. And there's missing time that chance experiences. Yep. Where's my car? Right. <laughs> so you say it's the who did it. I definitely think it was Lex who did it. It's more so the why Lex did it and why Lex is framing the Justice League International. Right. I I was more like, you know what I mean? It's the mystery kind of that's who he thinks has done it so far. Personally, I don't even think I don't know who it is, but I don't think it's any. I hope it's nobody in Justice League International. If it is, be Elrond. You know what I mean? That's that's your main target. But um, I almost don't even think it's Luthor. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they were after Luthor. I think whoever was, it was actually after chance. Ha uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Where it's like, okay, like the, 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 uh, the, the red herring is going to be, it's either Luthor, you know, uh, implicating the Justice League International, or it's somebody after Luthor, where I think it's going to be somebody we're going to find out along the way who has a grudge with chance. I like all of these theories. Yep, because it's like, oh, everybody's going to think they were after Luthor because he's he's a terrible person. So mm-hmm. takes the heat off of me. But anyway, I do like, and the other thing that I like is on the back cover because he only has 12 days to figure it out. That's how long, you know, the the the, the thing they use is going to kill him. On the back, they have like a calendar. It's like a pinup calendar with the 12, with only really seeing the 12 days and they X off one. And then each one is going to be a character each month. It looks like I'm like, I'm all in on this. So just don't mess it up. Tom King. Don't mess it up. Now, 12 days being interesting. Mm -hmm. It's a 12 issue miniseries. It's 12 days to figure out who this is. Right. They mention he was poisoned from drinking the coffee. Yep. When chance gets shot and it causes him to vomit it causes him to vomit up some of the whatever, the poison. And if that didn't happen, then he would have died sooner. Right. Is this a lucky accident? Is this a accident the killer involved in this did not take into consideration? Or is all of this just a coincidence? Um, a coincidence. Okay. I think that's how detective stories, you have to have that one chance of no pun intended luck uh-huh. or else the story's over. Um, so they thought they were going to kill him right up front and they didn't even know about the other killer. 
You know what I mean? Like yes. that was happenstance that, that the guy who shot him and he threw it up. It's like, Oh, I, that wasn't even planned. I think it's like I said, and there's also on that two page uh, splash of all the justice league people, there's 12 suspects. So like, we're going to go through each of them. And then, but the one who's not there is Maxwell Lord. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff that can be going on. Right. So I'm with it so far. Let's uh, see if Tom King can stick the landing on this one. Right. And hopefully it can come out on time. Unlike other Tom King books. That's the other thing as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the other book that we both read uh, was another new maxi series released from DC. Uh, The Dark Knights of Steel, written by Tom Taylor, with art by Yasmin Putri. Uh, Short pitch for this is, what if Superman showed up in medieval times? That's a good elevator pitch. That's a good elevator pitch, but how else are you going to get me uh, strung along with this? Well, Black Canary's in here, Batman's in here, and the Green Arrow's in here, and the Green Lantern's in here. Um, so I, at least my opinion reading this, uh, many times when you do effectively what is an Elseworlds title, which this technically is, even though I don't think DC uses that sort of branding anymore, uh, we are at the 30th anniversary of it anyway. (laughs) How do you go listen, go listen to, uh, Patreon show previewing the past November, 1991, where we got the first official Elseworlds book. So this would have been a great 30th anniversary book. Don't get I don't me know, started just on, saying. Don't, don't get me started on DC, uh, you know, blowing opportunities with the names. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Of the labels. So the kingdom is run by uh, Superman's parents, who are still alive, yes? Yes, they came to Earth, you know, in the beginning of the story. Right. So that's your little other twist here as well, that they did send their son, but they're also here as well. Uh, But they're doing everything they can to protect their son because this is medieval times. So, of course, there's people here that have magic or what is interpreted as magic, which is the uh, siren, the harpy that they go on a mission to take down, which is Black Canary, of course. Right, which they, she was the Banshee, which I actually thought was going to be the superhero villain, Superman villain Banshee, but it right. wasn't. Turned so, out to right. be her. That's what I thought it was going to be as well. So that was an interesting misdirect. Uh, you have a bit there with the hard-traveling heroes, Green Lantern and Green Arrow, working together at something. Mm-hmm. And from here on out, we really can't talk about much else that happens in the book because I think they're pretty big spoilers. I do think so, too. And um, you We'll talk if we talk about this book next month, you know, obviously we'll get into the spoilers here. I don't want to have spoiler discussion um, because it's an interesting hook. It definitely is. I I like the idea, too, that um, basically, you know, Superman, who's, you know, younger with who's the, the prince heir, if you will, to the kingdom um is his guard is bruce wayne so you have batman and then like they have all the robins involved and everything so like that's always the thing that hooks me on these is like all right you have basically you have the elevator pitch of superman in medieval times but now how do you incorporate all these other characters and like you said the ones that you did i like the ones that his agents are the robins and the various like you know whatever so i'm like yes i really do like all that and then like you said the one or two like side things that they go off on i'm like wow 
that is big. Um, but once again, I have faith in Tom Taylor. So um, let's let's go with this. All 12 issues I'm probably in. <laughs> yep. So I really like this as well. My only concern, because I know uh, Tom Taylor got his uh, name, his cut his teeth, came to prominence at DC doing that deceased book, mm-hmm. which is kind of an Elseworldsy alternate title, whatever. I feel as though DC should be giving a little bit, giving him a little bit more stuff of the main roster. And yes, he's doing Nightwing, and yes, he's doing uh, Superman, Son of Kal El. But I, I'm a, you know, I, I don't want this book to pigeonhole him as the alternate reality guy. Well, that's what we always said, you know. I well, at least I was the champion of it going on. That you know, that's what they kept giving him even before. And I was like, get him on, and the Nightwing cemented it for me. But I also wonder if there's a part of him. You know, the Tom Taylor that everybody thinks is Tom King. Uh, we won't even go down that road. But he he likes his being able to play without anybody bothering him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, if I do my uh, Dark Knights of Steel and I do my Nightwing and I do my Superman Son of Kal-El, then I don't get dragged into the crossovers and I don't get told by corporate what to do and I don't do this and I don't get that. And I think there's there's, you know, freedom in that. And I wonder if that's what's more like his own decisions, keeping him away from the big books. Right. Even doing over at Marvel, he's doing the Dark Days book, which is another alternate reality book. Maybe that's just the sort of stuff that he likes to do. Right. You never know. I, you know what? I'd actually like to run into him and ask him that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you're both walking and he's not in a car, you know, when you <laughs> that is true. So that's what we read from this past week. Uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out uh, this week. I am currently in the lead over Todd with three correct guesses. There's only seven weeks left, eight weeks left in the calendar year. Of 2021 for Todd to make some headway here. Insurmountable. But I'm looking over your list because I went first. Um, right. Is the book you're looking forward to most? There's a lot of good stuff on here, like new books, like The Thing and Venom. But is the book you're looking forward to most the finale of Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton? It is. And I assume that that's the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. No, no, I swear it's uh, no. Yes, it is. <laughs> side six, side kicks the trigger. Key. Mm-hmm. We find out who the murderer is. Hopefully. Yes. Now I have a question for you. What is NYX number one? It is the book that tricked me into buying something in the Val- uh, Vampirella universe. Oh boy. Mm. It the is only Christ- NY the only NYX that I know is that like early two thousands X book where uh wolverine's daughter debuted yep yep this is from dynamite and i was flipping through the catalog and i wasn't really paying attention to what it was and it was like oh like vampires and i should that should have been a red flag that it was from dynamite but um like a chaos god and i was like okay i'm not really interested and then it was like oh christos gage he's doing something on his own and i was like i always give christos gage a chance when i when i see something but okay. to be honest, but to be honest, if I had known that it was in the Vampirilla universe and it might end up like, you know, 
crossing into some giant Vampirilla thing, I might have passed. But it's ordered, so I'm buying it. And you're a man of your word when it comes to that sort of thing. My word is my buy. I've never not, I've never ordered something and not taken it unless there was a mistake for some reason or it was returnable for some, like, like the bait and switch. I order something, I buy it. Uh, I'll say, you know, there's been times where I've actually uh, ordered, uh, purchased two of the same thing uh, Mm -hmm. unwillingly. There you go. And I will say there has been a time or two that I can count on one hand and have a lot of fingers left over <laughs> um, in my however many years of buying books where the shipment came in, the only things that were available were damaged copies mm-hmm. or damaged enough that I didn't want them. And then they were books that just never came back in. Yep. So I'm like, I, I hope you understand that I don't want to buy a book that's all banged up. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's like, well, you know what? I ordered this car. Here it comes in, you know, in a Holly's dented Defender or something. And right. you're like, oh, no, you got to buy the car. No, that's not how it works, you know? Yeah. Because most likely the, they'll they'll get credit for those books if they could prove they were destroyed. You know what I mean? Right. That's different. So uh, let's get into, oh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done in the past. Whether we past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and of course the current ongoing smash sensation, Todd and Joe have issues where we are reading the mid to late 2000s run on Jonah Hex of Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray and a variety of artists, and the much maligned, um, we hardly knew ye already being fixed and retconned right before our eyes. <laughs> Spider Clone Saga. Yes. So let's go to you first, Todd. Uh, let's talk about some spiders and some clones. Right. So I'm starting with Spider Man. Uh, oh boy, my digital copy froze. There we go. Um, it, we are starting with Spider Man sixty nine, part five of Blood or part three of Blood Brothers. Um, basically, uh, the coffee shop that Ben Riley has been working at has been destroyed and he's kind of in the rubble watching the investigate him it. And they're talking about like, Oh, this Mr. Riley has a history of lashing out. So they're talking to the owners and he's like, um, they're bad mouthing me, but it, it shakes me to my core that she kind of believes that I'm this terrible person. So he's like, I'm going to go put this together piece by piece and swings off. We cut to ben, uh, Peter and MJ talking about like, you know, the beatdown that he just got from cell 12. Is that the name of the, yes. the group? Um, and he's going like, Oh, you know, like I, I don't have my powers. I never thought I'd miss being Spider-Man. Um, no more Spider-Man, no more responsibility, just me and you. But like they handed it to me and I, I wanted to go into it with my powers like old times, but you know, th- it, I wasn't available. And she's like, no, MJ's like, we're in this together. Um, nothing's going to happen. He's like, but what if I, I can handle if something maybe happened to me, but if anything happened to you or our unborn child, like, oh, somebody slugged you or something like that, that would be terrible. I'm like, okay, Peter, calm down. But yeah, I, I, I get that. So then we cut to Jessica, who has the, who is the burglar's daughter and has the picture of Ben. He's there and he's basically like, well, knock it off. Um, I came in here and I know what you're up to stop doing it. It ends today. 
I'm going to walk away. No more lies, no deceptions. It wasn't my fault about your father. I'm leaving. I'm done talking. Just stay out of my life, but stop what you're doing. Cause he believes she's the one who, uh, you know, is behind all this, the stuff, the plotting in his life. Um, so he goes to see Peter talks to her and he's like, you know, everything that's happened kind of a deal. Um, this is a bad time. Um, because I've been looking into multivex. Now, this is the first time I'm seeing the name multivex, or it's one of the first few times. Is this a a thing that Peter was investigating for something? Um, not officially, I would say, but it's you know definitely been in the background of a lot of stuff. Not certainly pushed in our faces, you know. Right. So he's like, okay, well, I'm gonna go because he basically talks to Peter, and he's like, you know trainer doesn't have anything to do with this and Ben or Peter's still like, I don't, I don't believe it. And he's like, all right, I'm, you know, this is one of the few men that I trust. I'm going to go find him. And from last issue or whatever, the Spidey tracer on the box that was left at one of his labs, he finds it and there's a note pinned to it. You were warned. So he ends up being attacked by cell 12, basically, you know, hands all them, their heads kind of a deal. But then hobgoblin 2099 shows up i don't know i know he's hobgoblin but he doesn't look like any hobgoblin that i've seen before Mm -hmm. so he looks very technological and he ends up going at it and he starts saying stuff like you know like because he actually calls him the green goblin because you know ben probably doesn't know the hobgoblin and he's like oh no i'm not the you know the hobgoblin he's like oh you're that knockoff and they go at it he's like so you're the green goblin wannabe who's you're the one who's behind all this. And he's like, there are more layers to this than you would ever be able to comprehend Spider-Man. But for all you know, uh, but for now, all you got to know is that you've stuck your nose where it doesn't belong. So he ends up fighting him, And he's like, um, he's like, I was going to give you answers, but you're not going to get them. I was going to beat you up. And he's like, and everything that's happened to Peter Parker, Ben Riley, the coffee house, everything it's all been orchestrated, orchestrated by me and a part of a much grander scheme. None of your lives mean anything to me, but lucky you, I've been ordered not to kill you. Well, maybe you didn't orchestrate all this. <laughs> maybe it was that guy. And that man wants the three of you live, obviously Ben, Peter and MJ. And he's like, okay, he's going to beat him up. And trainer shows up and he's like, stop. I never agreed to any of this. Um, uh, Let him go. And he's like, all right, kind of stops it. And he goes off with trainer and Ben's like my whole life. Like he's with him. He was the only guy I trusted. He's with who's wrecking my life. I don't have anybody I can trust left or do I? And he ends up you know, being beaten and broken, landing in uh, the hotel room of Peter to be continued in Spectacular Spider-Man. Miss anything? Uh, No, you covered pretty much everything. Um, You know, the Cell 12 people are just like standard run-of-the-mill villains with some cybernetic upgrades. And this is just a way to work the Hobgoblin in. It's like, oh, it's just a regular Hobgoblin, but he has some cybernetic upgrades. You know, he's the same normal guy, right? Yeah. Um, this is definitely a middle issue of a six issue story arc. So yeah, you know, things happen. I like John Romita Jr.'s art. That's all. No, I get you. So now we're at Spectacular Spider-Man 234. Obviously, Ben's explaining to him what's happened. 
And he's like, they've destroyed my life. They've taken everything I, I, I had. And we basically get the, the rundown of the last couple issues. And, uh, and he's kind of sad because he ended up accusing Jessica, but now he knows it wasn't her. Um, cut to trainer and he's like, I, I won't be a party to this. It was never part of our agreement. Uh, and basically, uh, this guy, I think you've called him gaunt in a past thing, but he hasn't been named yet. Um, he's like, apparently it's you who doesn't understand trainer, um, that you don't have an, that you and I do not have an agreement. And then he says, Mackendale, is that who Hobgoblin is? Mackendale is a Hobgoblin's shoot name, correct? But I thought it was Roger Kingsley or something. At this point, we have not gotten to the mess that is the story that retcons uh, Mackendale or uh, Roger Kingsley being alive this whole time. Okay, that's fair enough. That's what confused me because he says Mackendale and I wasn't sure what that was about. You know what I mean? Because I don't know shoot names at this point. Um, Right. So uh, this got guys like regardless, you you know, whatever you think we have, you're going to find a way to reverse my condition or young Mr. Riley might find himself privy to information about his good friend trainer that he might consider quite shocking. Um, I'm like, is he the shocker? No, I don't know what that is. Um, so he asked the hobgoblin about, you know, the beatings that they've handed out. And he's like, you know, uh, we've given the warning inch of his, of his life. And he's like, and Parker, when he was attacked, you're telling me that Spider-Man did not appear. And Hobgoblin's like, no, did you expect him to? And uh, Gaunt's like, no, not at all. Not at all. And I'm like, and trainer's like, what? I'm like, this whole interaction completely confuses me. I have no idea kind of what's going on. So we cut back to Ben and Peter and he's like, and, the, and MJ and MJ's like, just go talk to her. She'll listen. This can all be worked out. And he's like, um, I can't. And then he's like, well, all right. On that, Peter's like, we'll get, you know, we'll go find trainer. We'll talk to him. We'll see if he's involved. And he's like, no. And he just busts out uh, of the window and swings off. So he goes to see Jessica again. And he's like, all right, maybe I should talk to her. And she ends up like, you know, they have a heart to heart and there's like, she's like, you know, I thought I hated you because what you did to my father, I have all these feelings. Maybe I need to put my past behind me. Um, but it hurt me what you said. So I think we, you know, we should, we should do this. And Ben's like, geez, I'm so sorry. She's like, it's okay. And he goes with everything that's going on. I've just been so, so, so you'll burn the negatives. That goes over about as well as you think it would. And she's like, oh, it was all about the pictures, which makes total sense. Um, She's like, get out. I don't know what I'm going to do. Just get out. Cut to um, Liz Allen Osborne. What's she been up? And her and her kid, Normie. Um, They've been, she's like, I'm out of uh, Osborne Industries, but I gave the day-to-day stuff to someone named Marks Raxton. And I'm trying to figure out if you rearrange the letters with a name like that, if it turns into anything. But uh, she's like, oh, she's going over the quarterly reports. She's like, something must be wrong. Um, there's lots of money being funneled, you know, into one of the smaller affiliates called Multivex. And I'm <gasps> like, oh, Multivex? Isn't that where Trainer and them are at? Um, so uh, 
Ben comes back to MJ and she's like, uh, you know, everything that's going on, Peter's gone. Couldn't wait for you. He's gone to Multivex and uh, he wanted to get answers. And he's like, oh boy, I better, you know, go go there. So they cut to Peter. He's breaking into the building using all the, you know, his stealth and, you know, he steals the key and a clipboard. So that gets you around a, a lab and a lab coat. Um, basically, Cell 12 ends up grabbing him. And, you know, they start beating him up. Ben shows up. Uh, they go at it. Uh, the Hobgoblin shows up. And I do like this. Like, he's like, you go find trainer. I'm going to take care of all this. And Peter's, he's running out the door. He's like, okay. But with the Hobgoblin, because you don't know him very well, he always opens one of his tricks. One of his gadgets knock you off guard. Don't let him do it. You know, he's kind of giving him the, the rundown on what, you know, his game plan is. And it's like, I thought that was cool. But then... Ben starts thinking, and he's like, Peter's amazing, no powers, he's come back, he's driven, and his sense of responsibility, it's almost like Peter has more responsibility than Ben, like, oh my god, I don't know what could they could be mean, meaning with that, so ends up, you know, a big fight, Ben goes after Hobgoblin, Peter goes after Trainer, and then they end up, like, showing how the two of them are the same, because they end up whatever they're doing, they both get the same dialogue in their head about like, I see my plan and I grab a hold of it. Um, but in it, instead of getting grabbing trainer, the hobgoblins glider goes off and it's going to hit, uh, this fuel tank. So Peter, even though he has no powers, he does it and, uh, ends up, you know, jumping on the glider and saving the day. But because of that, uh, trainer and the hobgoblin get away and and even Ben's like, oh my God, like he he even did that. Like he's so amazing. He's like, but we have to end up figuring out what's going on. Now we're back to square one and we have to look into all this. So I do like the fact also that he says, you know, when we get back and talk to Mary Jane, none of what I did passes your lips. Like, so that's kind of cool. But we're back to square one in the middle of this story. Right. It's almost as like the previous three issues didn't mean anything. What I think the, all the previous issues didn't mean anything, Joe. So you you touched on it, but so much of this issue, especially, is also much of how Ben has having this inner dialogue, this inner conflict that he's just not cut out to be Spider Man, and even without his powers, Peter is such a better Spider Man than I could ever hope to be. Mm-hmm. A little on the nose, guys. What? Joe, I, this time, anybody could still be Spider-Man. Now, the other thing, Todd, at this point, uh, Liz Allen, money being funneled to Multivex. <laughs> Is it clear who's behind all this now? Sure, it's uh, Judas Traveler. We'll get no, to wait. him in a couple issues. What was Scryer? Is it Scryer? Untold eons. <laughs> the, I, I think I mentioned this to you at the very onset of like the introduction of Scryer and all that sort of jazz. Mm -hmm. That there's an issue where Ben has a Scryer by the scruff of his neck. And it says on the cover of the issue, everything you know is wrong. Right. Everything about the clone saga is wrong. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, we're just at the point where, like, all right, we're however many, like, I think, what was this, Spectacular 3, 234, right? I believe so. So, Spectacular 234. Uh, and we do we do skip around a little bit because there may be some inconsequential stuff here uh, that comes up, but... Everything wraps up in Spectacular Spider-Man 241. Oh, okay. Like, we're done, done. Done, done. <laughs> uh, like I said, we do skip around a little bit there. There's about a six-month period in between this story arc and the end story arc that is just kind of filler. <laughs> but we're just kind of, at this point, getting right to the end of it. So now that I look at it, I'm like, oh, okay, we're six months out, and they're just dropping these hints here. But keeping in mind that, like, this is that six-month ripcord of, like, okay, we really need to start wrapping this up. Right. And kind of go against what we had originally planned. Shocking. Uh, like I said, uh, not as, well, so maybe somewhat as problematic, but not as problematic here uh, in Jonah Hex 59 uh, with art by Jordy Bernay. Uh, we are introduced to a new rogue, I guess, in the Jonah Hex uh, canon, the Grey Ghost. Yep, the third man to wear that moniker. Right, so we'll get into that. We have a, a father, then a son, and then a man by the name of Caleb Skinner has taken on this role and his job. Well, he has tasked himself with going around these greater United States and eliminating who he sees as enemies or traitors of the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. And he even wears a uh, fancy wrestling mask that is the stars and bars, the Dixie flag that, uh, you know, was on the hood of the Dukes, Dukes of Hazard car and never Oof. be flown again anywhere else. Right, the roof, not the hood. Come on, oh, the get roof, right. yes. So we get introduced to the Gray Ghost. Jonah Hex rolls into town, uh, and he is now uh, in betwixt a rivalry between two brothers, Bill and Danny Doyle. Uh, Bill uh, had, through dealings with the Native Americans, acquired a woman. However, uh, Bill's brother, Danny, and the woman, uh, what was her name, Little Crow, they fell in love, which is now what has got Danny and Bill uh, against each other. However, Jonah is here in town because there is a bounty out on Bill, not Danny. So Jonah works out a deal and says, hey, listen, I came into town. I'm here for your brother. I know you two are holed up here. I see at least six people that he's got stashed around waiting for you to poke your head out. We can help each other out or you're kind of on your own with this. Mm -hmm. And of course, anytime Jonah has any sort of interaction with pretty much anyone, uh, there's a lot of disagreements, a lot of bravado shouted back and forth between the two. And uh, as Jonah comes out, he is confronted uh, by Bill Doyle and he essentially says, uh, to Bill Doyle, it's, it's more or less your lucky day. Your wanted poster says alive. Uh, you know, if it's said otherwise, dead men make less trouble, but it is what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to take down all of your men and then I'm taking you in. I know your brother's hold up in there. Um, but, you know, we're kind of working sort of together. 
while that conversation is going on, one of Bill Doyle's men sneaks around to try to get uh, Danny. They shoot him through the door, and then that just starts a big giant scuffle between all of these folks. Uh, Little Crow gets uh, trampled by a horse in the ensuing scuffle. Uh, Danny wants to just shoot Bill. Jonah convinces him. It's like, no, you come with me. And we're going to take him in. We're going to get, you know, we're going to see. He's going to end up, you know, serving out a sentence until he's 70 years old. So he's going to die. He's just not going to die right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I may have mentioned that the uh, little crow gets uh, trampled, not here, but a little bit later on in the issue where Grey Ghost shows up with a sandstorm behind him. Coincidentally, there's a lot of confusion. That's when little crow gets trampled. Danny gets upset with Jonah. And he's like, hey, listen, I know this sucks, Jonah says, but you can't blame me for this. I did what I can. It wasn't my horse that trampled her anyway. And Danny's like, I don't care. I'm still going to get you. Jonah defends himself. Danny's gun misfires. Danny gets an axe, uh, a hatchet in the neck. And, uh, you know, and Jonah's just like, well, you know, you're going to die at the very least knowing that your brother is going to get his. Right. But we've introduced Grey Ghost and the way that it was set up. I thought we were going to get more Grey Ghost in the next issue, and we don't. Right, because he ends up getting killed off in the f- scuffle. Mm-hmm. Grey Ghosts don't last long, Joe. Okay. <laughs> the first one, like way back in the day in the Bronze Age, was a guy who who blamed uh jonah for like this the charlotte massacre even though he had nothing to do with it so he went after him and then jonah was like listen you want to keep doing this life like i'm not gonna let you keep coming after me i'm just gonna shoot you and he ends up getting the drop on him and he kills him and the kid his son who's not like a kid but an older guy uh finds out like about it and i don't know if he witnessed i don't remember if he witnessed it or not but he ended up taking up the mantle three issues later Jonah's like, I'm here again. You saw what happened to your father. Do you really want to do this? And he ends up gunning him down. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like the fact that kind of these gray ghosts are like, they show up and they're like, I'm going to take up the mantle. I would like, I would have liked 50 gray ghosts. And Jonah just dispatches them all. Though right. I will say, and I'm not saying, you know, that I support the the look of them, but I really like the outfit that he has. It yes. immediately It immediately goes bad guy, obviously, because you have the Confederate flag on your face. But I'm like, it does look super cool for like a villain. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a costumed villain in this era. Right. Instant, instant heat looking like that. Yes. So. Uh, So next issue, issue 60, uh, still written by Justin Gray, Jimmy Palmiotti, this time art by Brian Stelfreeze, who -hmm. brings a different look, I think a unique look to the book. Uh, you know, a little bit more well-known of an artist, I would say. Um, but in this, for an issue 60, this felt like following up what we saw here with Grey Ghost in the previous issue, where this whole thing is all leading up to the cliffhanger at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, Jonah is accused of some wrongdoing at a poker game that he took advantage of. The I, I guess the 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 crazy woman in town. And again, I say crazy woman, but she's got like the reputation that she's a bit of a butt kicker in May Tynes. 
that Jonah had taken advantage of her father in a poker game. She comes to confront Jonah and Jonah actually handles things in as much of a Jonah way as possible, but also without trying to incite violence, I guess. Right. Which is very different for Jonah. And it's at this point where Jonah pleads his case. And again, I say pleads his case. He just more matter of factly states the facts of what happened. Um, you know, May still takes a shot at Jonah, which Jonah no sells because she missed. Um, but then it's at this point that May Tynes kind of puts together that who she was told by and what she was told by versus what Jonah has said. It's all the work of that dirty Rusty the Liar. Yep. So she gives Rusty the Liar what for. Uh, Rusty the Liar gets uh, part of his hand shot off. No, at this point, um, he ends up going in to get the money back that he's owed off of Jonah and get revenge. And Jonah slaps the gun out of his hand, knocks him down, and then steps on his gun hand. He's like... He's right, like, it's uh, later. Okay, right. He's like, he's like, okay, I got you. He's like, and unless you're good with the pistol in the other hand, your gunslinging days are over. So uh, uh, Rusty the Thief goes and gets some other folks, um, some other, uh, let's say, corrupt lawmen, hopefully to be on his side, sells them a bill of goods to come and take down Jonah Hex. And, of course, Jonah takes them down as well. Uh, Rusty gets away, but this time Rusty gets the 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 whole shot in his hand that I mentioned before. All of this takes place in, like, a rainstorm. So uh, still freezes art and like there's a thunderstorm. So a lot of the panels are like lots of like, I really love the art in this issue. And the coloring's amazing. The, the coloring is amazing. Cause you get the shots where like everything's blue. And then you get like the red of the lights and the windows of the buildings behind them. And then every couple panels, everything now is yellow because there's thunder and lightning going on. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a beautifully drawn, beautifully colored book. Uh, Rusty gets away. Rusty now has a vendetta against Jonah. And then remind me, who's this person that shows up at the end? Is this someone we've seen before? Nope. Okay. But don't worry about it, because you will never see this guy again. Okay. So I'm lamenting with these two issues because we get the setup with Grey Ghost, which I think is a great setup. And we don't, I assume like, oh, we'll get more of Grey Ghost next. We get nothing, which is a lot of the way that these issues are set up. Then this issue ends pretty much on a cliffhanger of like, oh, here's this new guy. And he opens up his coat and he's got all these armaments inside them. It's like, oh man, this guy's going to get set up as like uh, uh, like a rival of Jonah. His name's Destry, maybe. Yep. And you're just like, yeah, we'll never see him again. And I'm like, why are we setting cliffhangers up that we're never going to get payoffs for? Okay, now... And I'm with you on that, because at the end of the issue, it says the end for now. Obviously, it was like, yeah, okay, this guy's not going to come back next issue, but he's going to come back with Jonah. But now the thing you have to understand from every interview that I've ever read with Jimmy and Justin talking about this book is that the editors let them do whatever they wanted. You know what I mean? Because the book came in on time. They were, for the most part, one shot issues. So they would just write issues and then find or, or find artists that wanted to draw because the book was a semi acclaimed at this time. And they would just go, uh, uh, Stelfreeze, you want to draw an issue? Yeah. All right. Here you want to draw. So they were like, they would say they'd be six, seven issues ahead. 
You know what I mean? With yeah. scripts. So they probably got the 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 and then you they would just put them in at random if they needed like okay here's my overarching story put a couple of filler stories in here then this like like the mosquito Chaco comes back kind of a deal by the time we get to 60 they're getting the word because of the movie failure that this book ain't long for the world so they're like well I have all these like you're only giving me 10 more issues and I have eight eight issues already and I need to end this book do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I feel that's what happens in this situation, and he never comes back. I don't know if that made any sense to you. It does. Okay. Yeah, so that movie was, uh, of course, more harm than good. Right. Somebody wanted to me make that your 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 twelfth movie instead of The Matrix, and I was like, "You're out of your mind." I got I got seventy nine minutes to spare. I can watch it. But see, my my thing was like, oh well, with the you know. The, the hex things that you're doing with the clone saga and then on top of that you know like why don't you add that why didn't why don't you add that movie to end and i said that's a great idea or you know anywhere in the six movies but you know what happens if i do that show uh, then you have to watch it too there you go there yeah. lies the flaw in the plan and i actually thought about it because december is the 50th anniversary of jonah hex so but I think the matrix will be a better movie. Spoiler alert. If nobody knew that was coming. Right. That's over on the Patreon show, mm-hmm. which we'll get to the Patreon plugs here in just a moment. Uh, next week, we have two issues of Spider-Man sensational Spider-Man number five and amazing Spider-Man 412 uh, Jonah hex uh, issues 61 and 62. Like I said, we're getting to the end. I think there's only like seven weeks left. I believe we have so. to read this. We need to start coordinating of how we're going to do the, uh, thing that fills this spot for next year yep uh and i forget website stuff uh longboxheroes.com be sure to check out our store where you can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them i got them right here in the office they make great christmas gifts stocking stuffers whatever uh if you need even more stuff with fancy logos inspired by this show after dark uh, final wrestling place and hit my music. You can head over to our T public store, tinyurl.com slash longbox heroes. Uh, as you're listening to this, uh, until the 14th, everything is 35% off. Uh, we're getting to, like I said, less and less days in the month where there is not 35% off. So don't order on those like five days in the entire month where it's not 35% off the entire store. Because like I said, you can get everything from cell phone covers to notebooks to throw pillows with any of those fancy designs on them. Be sure to check that out. You can also sign up for our Patreon. $5 a month is going to get you two bonus shows monthly from Todd and myself. We've teased them throughout the course of the show. Previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog, just to look like look at what the world of comic books looked like. Tease, November is the first inklings of Image Comics, mm-hmm. amongst other things. And six never-seen movies where I assign Todd six movies, he assigns me six movies, and we alternate months. Uh, next week we'll be recording my final pick, which was the Chris Elliott opus, Cabin Boy, and as Todd has... Uh, determined, uh, mentioned here, we started with the movie and we're ending with the movie that kind of inspired this from having Todd's pick, which is the matrix, my pick, which was Dick Tracy. I'll make the determination, which was the better film. Once we're all said and done, spoiler, it's Dick Tracy. Um, 
And also you get After Dark like two days before everybody else. So you could listen to these shows in the correct listening order. We don't do a poll often, but I think Longbox Heroes is doing a poll. Which movie's better, Dick Tracy or The Matrix? Oh, no, no, we can't. There's Listen, I see how polls get worked and <laughs> rigged and so forth on social media. Um, no, no, we would have to do it on the, the Patreon site, make people be honest about it. There you go. I'm fine with that. Okay. We'll do it after we watch The Matrix. Right. I won't be able to see the, the <laughs> how it worked out, so I'll just have to take your word for it. You certainly will have to take my word for it, won't you? <laughs> True. Here's 100% Dick Tracy, Todd. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, thank God this isn't the Kirsten show, so I'm not going to answer you. Uh, another way that you can help us out is by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through over at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee because if it was not for us, you would not know that Amazon exists. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Uh, some of the notable purchases to the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, somebody purchased a Texas Roadhouse gift card uh, for $25. Hopefully I'm not spoiling somebody's uh, Christmas gift. Mm-hmm. And somebody also purchased the White Mountain Puzzle I Love the 80s 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle set. Ooh. And uh, after the discussion earlier in the uh, episode, I hope to see lots and lots of people, excuse me, uh, ordering bags and backs through our Amazon click-through as well for your comic books. Or bags and boards, you know? Yeah, bags and backs. You do it my way. You do it my way and see how it works out. You do it Todd's way and see how it works out. Right. Uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have one art attack this week, and it's from yours truly. Um, me, Ramona Fr Fredon, wasn't able to make it to Baltimore Comics this year. Lucky she, luckily, she had someone that was going bring a bunch of pieces, pre-done pieces to the show, and I was able to get this Aquaman because I have a Metamorpho, which she created, so I always wanted one of those. But then she had like an 80-issue run on Adventures comics which was all aquaman stuff so i always wanted something from her from that you know aquaman run and they had this piece there and it's absolutely gorgeous i like the idea of just aquaman sitting on a rock looking like smiling at what looks to be like a, a fish complaining to him so i think it's i think that's an absolutely lovely just simple piece yeah and it's really nice it's very light pencils uh, hopefully you get a nice frame for it, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, what is, uh, Ramona? I think she's something like 95 92? years old, right? Something like 99, some, something like that. Yeah. Still kicking, still drawn and still doing great work, you know? Yep. She just did a cover for one of those 80th anniversary, uh, uh, what do you call it? This uh, Aquaman one. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So, and it's like, it looked really good. And she's she's doing better than, like, some artists in their 20s are right now. She's 95 years old. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, if you have gone to a convention recently or going to a convention or got something commissioned or purchased some original piece, or you yourself are a burgeoning artist, be sure to uh, at Todd's Art Attack in your stuff, and we'll be sure to share it with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it for the main comic book portion of the show. Am I correct, Todd? 
Yep. Other than pigskin pickums, that stupid Jake strap is tied with me for number one. So please, if you're listening to the show, get back to me because, you know, I have the power to bounce you. So and then I win. And again, I don't know how uh, kosher that is. It's just like, well, if anyone beats me, I'll just bounce them from the tournament. And that's. (laughs) Well, what are you going to do? Ban me from the show? Eh, Touche. Listen, if somebody beats me at 32nd place, then we're going to have some conversations, okay? Okay. And I'll just say this. If you, if for some reason you're still tied with this Jake Strap person, you mm-hmm. know, you're the show. So, you know, you default. If Jake Strap doesn't come forward, he can't collect his prize. That is true, which will be the trophy. But if right. he does come forward, it's a sticker. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. All right. So don't forget to do your picks. Uh, don't forget that the website is wonky. So you got to make sure that your picks actually register. Right. Um, so let's get into TV talk, huh? Yeah. Would you like me to start with Stargirl? Yes. You can start with Stargirl, the season finale of Stargirl. Yes. So basically it ended with Eclipso tricking Beth and Dr. Midnight into uh, rallying the troops to come to where they, they were at. And uh, he's like, because I want Courtney. Courtney's the key, um, the light and the dark kind of a deal. So they come running in and uh, it's Pat, it's Cindy and it's Courtney. And in that they end up, he ends up making a mirages. So Cindy's fighting the little girl version of herself. Um, Pat's fighting the evil version of himself who kind of beats up people in hospitals and uh, Courtney's just trying to stop a version of Eclipso in their head. They're just fighting all over the place. While this is going on, um, Beth and Midnighter end up going to where their parents' office, her parents' office, and she sees them in there stuck in, a, in an Eclipso illusion where Beth is, you know, berating them both, saying that it's all because of them, blah, blah, blah. They're, and they're slowly, like, going to die if you know, they don't, they don't do something, but they don't know what to do. Um, so while that's going on, um, we also have a side story with, uh, Jaquiel and, uh, Mike where they're left with the robot trying to fix it, but that's really just a ploy by Matt, uh, uh, by Pat to be like, Oh, he knew it wasn't fixable. So he was just like keeping him out of harm's way. And also while that's going on, uh, our man is trying to fix the hourglass, but he can't. He ends up getting upset and wandering off. He's like, I'm going to go do something. Um, so the genie comes back. The Thunderbolt ends up, you know, fixing. They wish to fix Stripe. So that's kind of where that at. At home, um, uh, Courtney's mother and Jade, she still was kind of like she was having her corruption visions from the from the black matter or whatever the dark matter and she ends up waking up and saying hey we you know courtney's the key you sent them off we have to go save her um and she's like okay and there's end up like a knock at the door and and they go down they open it up and they're like you what are you doing here we don't see who it is obviously um so we end up cutting to the battle now the battle's going like they end up stopping the visions because McKnighter ends up saying, Hey, they're all fake, you know, like kind of stop it. They do. The fight gets taken outside. While that happens, the shade ends up coming back to life because 
Eclipso opening the dark realm, the shadow realm to Earth, gave him the boost in power to survive. He ends up freeing Beth's parents as a nod, kind of like, hey, you know, like, this is for you for because the wrongs that we did with your family. Um, he goes off to, you know, kind of help them fight. Um, they end up going at it uh, with Eclipso outside. Uh, the Thunderbolt and Stripe come. They end up beating up Eclipso, but the robot gets end up shutting down. Uh, the Thunderbolt ends up getting beat up by Eclipso. Um, so our man shows up to help them. And he's like, you don't even have your your hourglass, you're powerless. He's like, yeah, I do have super strength. And it lasts way more longer than an hour. And he brought Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy, you know, ends up beating on Eclipso, but ends up getting killed almost instantly. Um, and, you know, our man's upset. He gets, you know, knocked out too. Um, Courtney ends up coming to fight him, but Eclipso ends up grabbing Pat, says like, I'm going to rip his arms off unless you answer my question. How do you feel about she ends up saying she hates him. That's the in he needs. He's like, the light and the dark. I needed an inroad. I have you. I'm unstoppable. Courtney, uh, not Courtney, uh, Wildcat and um, Cindy go, let's go at them. Uh, but we're not going to kill him because this, we're going to do it my way. Hope is the answer. Uh, while that's going on, end up. Uh, Sportsmaster Tigress and uh, the young, their kids show up. They end up attacking Eclipso. By the end, everybody's here. Everybody's here. They go at it and they're like, well, we need some light. And the Starman staff is the only thing that can do it. And there's only one person that can do it. And they go, no, no, no. It's two. Jade has shown up with uh, the original Starman. He ends up using the staff to break her loose. They all, you know, jump on. Uh, Clipso doing using their powers, the light, this and that. And Thunderbolt ends up wishing that he's toast. So he actually does get turned into a piece of toast. Um, they say that they'll keep that toast safe. I really hope they do, but I doubt they will. Um, so everybody kind of goes their separate ways. They get the note that Jade's gone to look for her brother. She's gotten wherever she's gotten and she's okay. Um, uh, Cindy talks with Wildcat saying, hey, you got a second chance. You murdered two people. How come I don't get a second chance? And I thought that was really cool. So they're like, she's going to stick around. Um, the Shade finds our man burying Solomon Grundy. And he's like, you know, he was he was good kind of at heart. And Shade goes, well, he's not really dead. Like, if you bury him in the right spot, he can come back. And I could show you that where it is. And he goes, and then you leave town. He goes, no, no, no. I, I kind of like Blue Valley. I think I'm going to stay here. You kids are interesting. Um, so then at the end, they're all like everybody's in the house having breakfast and they end up mentioning that the house next door got sold. Um, the doorbell rings. It's sports mag, uh, Sportsmaster Tigers and the daughter bringing over cookies kind of a deal saying, hey, neighbors. And it ends with Courtney saying, what the? And we cut to this, the the basically the banner for next season it's Stargirl season three frenemies so i'm all in on that and there's a bit of a after credit scene but is there anything you want to discuss before we get to the after credit scene no i think uh you covered everything um i really thought they did a great job of wrapping up like every plot thread in this season i think they did a great job too and i like the fact 
that like we I said Sportsmaster is back and all that other stuff. Obviously Jade will be back at some point, like probably you know with uh, her brother that leads into the after credit scene. But I'm with you. They really handled everything really really well. Um, and I'm sorry, Starman's going to stay around and train Courtney with the staff. Right. So um, you know, obviously Starman. Every time I see Starman, I'm like, oh, it's Joel McHale. It's I agree. Just, you know what I mean? It's always Joel McHale. I can't separate the character that he's playing from the person because he's just always that that schmerker, as if you will. Um, did you mention Dr. Midnight uh, has a son and that no, he's going to yeah. go be with the son? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. No, um, no, it's okay. I, I'm just like, I'm just looking at my notes. I'm like, yep, you hit that, you hit that, you hit that, you hit that. Yeah, because when it's over, Beth is like, oh, and then Beth has something. Uh, Beth is like, oh, like, he's like, ah, I got to go off. He's like, I need my own time. And Beth comes in. He's like, maybe I'll find my wife. And Beth's like, I found her. She's in this city. You know, I don't know if you know, when you were supposedly killed and sent out to the shadow realm, she never got to tell you that she was pregnant. You have a son. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go off and do that. Beth goes back to her parents and they're all like, oh my God, we have a hero in our family. You saved the town, blah, blah, blah. We have all these ideas. I'm a scientist. We're going to get you like the, these upgrades and everything. And Beth, who all her, like all two seasons has wanted to be in her uh, parents' life because she had no friends, kind of like, I don't need you anymore. I have my own friends. But now they want to be in her life the way she wanted to be in there. Like, you know what I mean? They're the needy clingy ones now. And I like that whole, as much as like, I'm not a big Beth guy. I do like that reversal of fortune, if you will. I thought that was a really great plot twist. The only thing, if I have any critique about this episode was the bit with Mike and Jakeem where they're just like, uh, you guys are here until the, until stripe is fixed. Pat knowing that the part is missing, that that's how to keep them out of whatever. Mm-hmm. is going on um and i'm like oh well they'll just use the genie to wish for the part once they know what the part is right but what else was he gonna do to stop them yeah you know what i mean like he didn't know how long it would take the genie to get back from china with the egg rolls you know what i mean yeah, it seems as though he's a genie should have took it a, lot, a little bit quicker i don't know yeah hopefully it was i don't know i don't rolls. know genie magic you know thunderbolt magic's different man yeah i guess i don't know but all in all, it was a good, uh, a good episode. I uh, liked how the the episode ended. Like I said, everything kind of got wrapped up for the season. Uh, even the stuff with Icicle Junior and the grandparents, we got yep. like a little bit with that. Now that the mural's done, now know your family's history. Right, and then you 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 wanted to get into the uh, post credit thing, which sadly got spoiled for me weeks ago because I watched the show with subtitles on. Really? Okay. Yes. Um, so per Degaton nurse, I don't know what that is. Is that the thing that she ends up saying like about how, whatever, everything that's happened and Jade's gone to look for her brother, but she probably won't find him because don't they have him? That's what they said. Yes. And we end up hearing the voice who's that, that classic voice and it's, uh, but it's Mr. Bones. And he's like, Hmm, I now have an interest in Blue Valley. So I, I'm with you. I still think that nurse is per Degaton somehow. Yes. But uh, he's like, oh, we're going to Blue Valley to figure all this out. Right. It's Keith David is the voice, uncredited in the episode uh, of Mr. Bones. But when they went to whatever the name of that place was, looking for Todd Rice, and they're like, oh, well, he's not here. I had said to you, I'm like, the nurse's outfits look so much like the outfit that per Degaton wears in the comic books. And after they leave, she calls someone, right? 
So she's like, oh, blah, 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 whatever it is. And then you hear just like muttering on the other line. And, the, and she's like, oh, yes, we'll take care of it. We'll look into it, whatever. But watching it with subtitles, it comes up and it says like nurse whatever says X, Y, Z. And then it comes up and says, Mr. Bones, uh, incoherent. Which is really nice. So I had the Mr. Bones revealed, spoiled on me. And I think I even mentioned on the show that it was Mr. Bones. Yeah, you did. Um, so let's get into Legends of Tomorrow. Yes, with a plot point I can't wait to hear you discuss. Okay. Uh, so everyone ends up being converged into 1925 Chicago. Uh, we do have our main group. Uh, of the legends that have been out doing stuff, which is, you know, the Bullet Blondes, Gary, uh, Nate, uh, and Zari. Yeah, and her brother. And they need disguises, of course, because um, uh, 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 Ava and Sarah's blonde hair is so striking and so noticeable. We need to do something to draw this away. Oh, what's this here? It's a wig and a hat shop. <laughs> on Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> I cracked up so hard when I saw that. And at this point, I'm like, the show's a rib on me. They're just, mm-hmm. they're just doing this. They're like, you know what I mean? I, it was, it, it, I, it, I'm at a loss for words. I no one tell. went in there and said, oh, these hats are all too small. Or these hats are humongous. They'd fit Rory perfectly. If only Rory was here to try on these giant hats for his giant head. If he was here, he'd be passed out and his face would be away from the camera. <laughs> so the guy who runs uh, the shop is a little uh, short. He won't even talk to Zari um, because 1925 Chicago. Um, you know, Zari is of, I guess, Middle Eastern descent on the show. Right. So they get some hats, they get some wigs, they still get found out, but then they they uh, run into, and again, I'm looking at my notes, and my notes are a little sloppy, so I do apologize. They end up finding uh, They run into Eddie, who runs, like, the speakeasy in town. Yep, the all-inclusive speakeasy in 1930, 20, or 30, what, 1925, 20, right. Yes. Well, listen, we need, a, we need a thing, you know, to kind of move this plot along, okay? No, I'm actually fine with it. I'm just saying that that's, you know... They even make a point of mentioning it. You know what I mean? Because yes. it's 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 not the norm in 1925. Let's put it that way. Correct. It's barely the norm in 2021. <laughs> but, you know, say what you will. True. So while that's going on, uh, the other group, which is uh, Astra, Spooner, and Gideon, are like, okay, we need to catch up with the other legends. We're on this train. We need to be as inconspicuous as possible. They go into a train car, and this is where they bump into Maud and the Masquerades, mm-hmm. who end up helping out this contingent of the legends, um, you know, by producing some tickets. It's like, oh, they're in the musical group. Uh, I don't have their tickets. The manager has the tickets. You don't want to wake him up as he's laying there and he's got a gun and the train conductor's like, yeah, yeah, fine, whatever. Yep. So don't they start forget. talking to him. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Don't forget uh, gals help gals and make pals, Joe. Yes. Great, great catchphrase. I think they should put that on a shirt, but go ahead. There's no legend. There's very little Legends of Tomorrow merchandise, which makes me sad. 
DJ S'more. They're just leaving money on the table. I guess. I don't like money. Mm-hmm. Um, so in talking to Maude, and I'll say this, here in this scene and all of Maude's scenes, they do a very good job of making Maude look, from what we've seen from pictures, 1925 thematic. Yes. Her hair, her dress, her makeup, her look, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas because she looks so much like what we've seen from pictures of someone from 1925 and everyone else who are trying to blend in doesn't look like they're from 1925, it makes Maude stand out that much more to me. It's like, wow, she's really 1925 in it up here, you know? She's authentic 1925. Yes. Not this fake legends 1925. Yes. So in talking to Maude, they find out that the guy who uh is their manager was set up by Maud's boyfriend uh who is Ross Botani and uh Astra's like hmm does the rubs her chin emoji when she's picking up scams from Todd on Twitter about grading uh comic book supplies opportunities it, my apologies opportunities and it turns out that they that he is kind of ripping them off um, you know, even though they're they're kind of living like hand to mouth here on the road, it's because he's taking sixty percent. He's only putting them in business class or whatever it is. Um, Astra with her, you know, time in hell, I guess, dealing with all sorts of people, <clears throat> feels as though she could do a better job of managing the masquerades. <laughs> Tells this guy to take a hike, grabs the tickets off of him, uses the little bit of magic that she has. Turns them into first-class tickets, bumps all the girls up to first-class, and again, it's gals helping gals that'll be pals, and the what, what was the line? I think it's gals help gals and make pals. There you go. So, uh, our group here, uh, Astra, Spooner, and Gideon, oh, and they've told Gideon to shut up, because Gideon can't help herself when she hears these old-timey names. It's like, oh, I know that person. They die tomorrow or whatever it is. And yes. they're like, they're like oh, let's play the quiet game where you stop talking so much, huh? Yep. And she knows what the quiet game's for, too. So mm-hmm. so their plan is to get to New York, stop the other legends from getting to New York, to getting to uh, the Dr. Davies who invents time travel. Because obviously the other legends mess things up. Because everything's not fixed, but they're going there to stop the other legends from getting there. Little do they know that the legends are stopping themselves because Gary's a big tipper. They only have enough money. <laughs> they're at the speakeasy. They make enough money uh, to uh, assist Eddie getting some more booze, some better booze. And then it turns out Ross Batoni is the guy who is lending Eddie this little bit of space. And because Eddie made so much money in that one day, he was able to get some extra booze at the place. And it wasn't from the guy that Ross had set up. So Eddie's out on his ear. Uh, Zari is like, listen, we just ruined this guy's life. Give me 24 hours. Let's get him back on his feet. So they decide to throw like the speakeasy of all speakeasies in the House of Secrets. What do they call it? It's either the House of Mysteries or the House of Secrets. I forget which one. And it's a Zari party, Joe. You know how big they are. Right. I do know how big a Zari party is. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
they, this group of the legends, are setting all of this stuff up. We get some character stuff with Gary and Nate in regards to how they handle relationships, whether it be people of power or getting into situations where they don't have to make any resolutions for various reasons. And I thought that was an interesting little bit of character stuff out of these two that we very rarely get to see. Mm -hmm. Um, J. Edgar Hoover shows up. And again, J. Edgar Hoover, who is dead and a robot or both, keeps showing up. So this is happening at the speakeasy party at John's house that they can access with the key through any sort of closets. Then in the club on the other side of town where the masquerades are, uh, Gideon tells them that Maud is going to be found dead in the river as an unsolved homicide by like the end of the night. And it's all because Ross Batoni, Astra finally figures it out when she was in hell. Uh, he was down there. She has a lot of dealings with him. She knows how bad he is. They convince Maud to skip town, um, which, you know, she does. So hopefully Maud gets to live a nice and healthy life. And we get introduced to like some old granny at the end of the season that is Maud. And she ends up like returning the favor to the legends. Um, but what's going to happen? The masqueraders have to perform. Gideon goes out there and Todd red flag gets raised. What? We got two episodes in a row here where the actress who plays Gideon sings. Yeah, she's using the Beth clause in her contract from Walking Dead. I like I like this girl who plays Gideon. Mm-hmm. I'll give you two. No, I want every episode to have singing Gideon. She did karaoke last week. This week, this episode, doing this, the, the big number every week. I'm not saying Beth from The Walking Dead was a bad singer. But I ain't saying she was a good singer. And I, I like uh, the actress uh, Amy Louise Pemberton. I think she's a good singer. Mm-hmm. But I feel as though they're like, how could we get Amy to sing on every episode? She's a really good singer. You don't need to have her sing every episode. Or twice every episode. Or twice every episode. So That's what I want. They resolve though, the issue. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, though, on your thing with uh, hopefully that, that that lady comes back, I do think there are all these things that they mess up the timeline. They're all going to come back at the end. Like all the things down to the pie that they wanted, that they stole to eat. Like there's going to be a whole montage of stuff at the end of this series. But go ahead. So. Uh, Astra and Spooner and Gideon resolve their issue. Uh, they essentially tell Ross, like Astra uh, and Spooner use their collective powers to essentially invoke into Ross's memory what Astra will get, had given to him in hell in a different time. The thousands of tiny spiders crawling all over him, and that's enough to kind of scare him off of not going after Maud. Mm-hmm. This group of the legends hear word that across town there's another speakeasy that the bullet blondes are performing at. Hey, that's who we're here to find. Let's head on over there in the ruckus, in putting everything together for the Zari party. <laughs> Zari neglects to put herself together, uh, but in doing so, she puts her cell phone down so that she can enjoy the party. Cell phone gets bumped off the counter, gets kicked around. Big to do with them, uh, the bullet blondes, the rest of the legends wrapping up in like the curtains and the drapes that are part of the little stage show that they're doing. J. Edgar Hoover. They have J. Edgar Hoover wrapped up in a room by himself. 
It's too late. Party's over. But uh, Spooner finds Zari's phone. So they know that they were here. They know that they're on the tail the tail of the legends. Legends now have enough money to get Eddie onto his feet to get himself a new smaller space. They have enough money to get themselves to New York to meet up with Dr. Davies. And now the legends are all going to end up being together en route to New York. Yep. And they also, uh, the bullet blondes end up saying that they're not sisters, they're lovers, Joe. Right. I thought that was a nice little thing where they kiss and everybody goes, ooh, and they're like, we're not sisters. And everybody cheers. So, eh, they had a wig and hat shop. That's really all we need to know. Uh, we could have stopped the review there. Yep. But why uh, but stop? I really like this episode. It was a lot of fun. I agree. I agree. I, I enjoy. I had a talk with another co-host of yours who does not like them in 1925. And I love them in 1925. I find it fascinating. So. Uh, I do too. I enjoy it quite a bit. Right. And who wants to stop reviews when now we get to the best show, Joe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Here we go. Um, so basically it's Dr. Who, the second episode of the six part season, uh, of this, um, after last episode, they're being beaten up by the flux. Um, the doc, they, they were supposed to be destroyed. They end up uh, waking up, but before they wake wake up, the doctor ends up having this black and white vision of this like like weird looking house that's kind of in the sky. And she kind of reaches for it, and they end up waking up. It's her and Yaz and Dan, and they, they don't quite know where they are. They end up need to get uh, bearings, and they realize that they're on a battlefield with like old timey like eighteen hundred shoulder soldiers. And somebody ends up coming to talk to him. And it's Mrs. Seacole, who's actually somebody from history. Um, and she's like, okay, I know where I am. It's, you know, this area, Crimean War, um, this versus the Russians. She's like, I don't understand who the Russians are. She's like, how can you not know? And they end up, well, there's soldiers here. We have to get out of here. They go back to the British Hotel, which was a real place that this, she's basically like uh, Florence Nightingale. Um, she was a nurse who came just to help the fall, any fallen soldiers. Well, this happens. Yasmin and Dan end up disappearing because of the mix of uh, TARDIS energy and the flux sends them off in time. Um, so I'll get kind of their storylines in a little bit. Um, the doctor ends up going in and finding this general and Mrs. Seacole and they end up talking. And we find out that they're not against fighting against the Russians. They're fighting against the Santarans, um, that somehow the Santarans have taken over Russia and they're doing the battle. So she's like, you can't do this. You're going to get wiped out. General's like, God and queen and country. And uh, the doctor always has problems with military people. She's not a big fan of them. So she ends off going off to like look into stuff. She's like, maybe I could find the TARDIS. TARDIS is still broke. Now it doesn't have a door, which I thought was a great shot of her trying to, you know, walk around the TARDIS. And it's like, there's no door. Open up a door for me. What's wrong? Um, but more soldiers come. So she has to leave. She goes back and finds out that not only does Mrs. Seacole take care of the British army, but she'll take care of even the enemy. And there's a Santar in there. And she ends up going, a uh, doctor goes in to talk to her and said, talk to the Santar and says, I have information um, that's for your boss. Basically, go back and give him this information. There's no information you can give me. The doctor is here. And the Santaran's like, well, okay, I could. this will get me back in good graces because I'm, dis, I'm dishonored for being captured. 
sends him back with she wants parlay kind of a deal. He goes back. Mrs. Seacole's, what's that all about? He's like, yeah, it's, you know, we don't know where they are because we can never find where the troops are. But he, Santarans aren't smart. I'm going to follow him back. Ends up following him back to the ships. They're cloaked. Um, he goes and talks to his general, says the doctor's here. He goes, okay, well, I'll give you an honorable death and kill you kind of a deal. Um, the doctor says, watch these people. Write everything down that they do because um, it's going to be useful. She ends up going back and uh, uh, basically trying to stop the general from going to war. He ends up going to war. All his men get wiped out. Um, she ends up going back and finding Mrs. Seacole. Says they they go on this. They disappear for a short time. She's like, they're going back to because they can't breathe Earth's air. They're going in. They're getting replenished. They're doing all this. Um, so we're gonna break into these ships while they're kind of like down. Um, so she goes in, uh, finds out that they have a plan, that they're that they're they came to Earth and they've went back into time at this time to try and do a test of see if they could take over the planet. And we cut to Dan, who has gone to current day England. We have to jump to his storyline. He ends up finding his parents who end up showing him that the Santarans came the day he disappeared and they took over the world and they've basically locked everything down quarantine and they've taken over the docks. He's like, all right, I'm going to go look into this. She gives him a walk. So the Chinese cooking thing, so he could defend himself. He goes, finds it, sees that they murder anybody who comes in, breaks into the ship, takes a bunch of pictures when he's in there. He gets to talk to the doctor and says, okay, I figured it out. They're there. They showed up, you know, at some point. Um, they sent back to do a test to see if they can go back in time and take over. If it works, they'll go back and from the beginning and wipe everything out. And he's going, okay, you have to take them out, destroy the ships. And he's like, how do I do that? They end up stop communicating. Dan gets captured by Santarans. But lucky, luckily, Carvanista shows up. That his dog, the dog person he's bonded with, he doesn't have a human. He has a human in the fight, so he ends up saving them and ends up destroying all the the ships. Cut back to the doctor. She ends up going with uh, the the general and his men. Ends up that he has left, just uh, disabling those ships. Ends up getting the Santarin to retreat, even though he won't call it a retreat. They leave, but before they do, the general gets revenge for uh, killing his men by blowing up all the ships just as they're taking off. And she's like, that's not sporting. They were retreating, kind of like why the last man last week, you can't kill them once they surrender. She's like, you can't kill them when they're retreating. He goes, don't care, killed my men. She's like, okay, that's that's not good. She ends up going back, getting the TARDIS, getting Dan, and they go to where Yaz has been taken. Now, that's a whole different storyline. Yaz is there in this building where these alien triangles are like, something's gone wrong. We need you to repair it. She ends up finding um, Kazan. I forget his name. I have it written down here. Um, Vinder. Vinder. I'm sorry. And they they go in and they find these people that are on planet time. Uh that these creatures, the Mordi, the Mordi or something like that, are controlling time so it doesn't run amok because it'll destroy everything. They're quantum lock, 
kind of like the Weeping Angels. Um, so then the Swarm and Azur show up with somebody they found along the way, ends up taking over the place, says, I've been looking for this, kills a bunch of them. When the doctor shows up, she's replaced Yaz and uh, uh, Vinder to take the place of these broken down Mori thing. And he's like, I'm going to kill them all and I'm going to stop all this time stuff. And you can't stop me, even though you're the doctor. That kind of ends the thing. Um, and we're left on another cliffhanger kind of a deal. A lot, once again, happens in this episode. Tell me how much you love this episode, Joe. Okay. So first of all, as always, it's an hour long. Mm-hmm. And boy, do they pack a lot into this hour. Mm-hmm. Too much, I would say. I feel as though... And there's only six episodes. Mm-hmm. For a novice, even after last week's episode, there is way too much going on in this episode. The new character that we were introduced to, uh, Dan. Yeah. I barely care about him. I love Dan, but go ahead. So I like the actor. I think the actor's really good, but we're not attached to this character enough to care if he lives or dies on his own. The stuff with his parents. And I get why this stuff is there, okay? And I completely understand why all this stuff is here. We know Yaz. But then Yaz gets to meet up with uh, someone new, Vinder, who, again, someone new that we don't know. And all of this stuff plays into each other. Um, I like that we got the return of those villains, even though in this little bit more harsher, brighter light, the special effects makeup doesn't look as cool. Right. Uh, but I loved all the stuff with the doctor, Oh, whether okay. it was the doctor with Mary Seacole, whether it was the doctor having the rivalry with, uh, the head of the military guy, the general Logan guy, I think was his name, mm-hmm. whether it was her making the deal, uh, with the Centauran or whether it was her figuring out the plan of how to stop the Centaurans, all of her stuff was great. But it felt as though everything else that didn't have the doctor in it was just dragging on. And I get why it's there. It's like, you know, we're going to get to Yaz and why she's in that room with those things that need to be repaired. Get me back to the doctor's story. Her story is more interesting right now. Mm-hmm. And I understand why we need to contact out to Dan because that's where the attack is coming from. This part or like this, uh, if... The Satarans succeed here in the Crimean War, then they've taken everything over because that's their test, as you mentioned. But I don't care enough about Dan to see if he lives or dies. If he died, I would have been okay. I get you. See, as an old-timey, you know, Doctor Who fan, honestly, like, I'm invested in him because he shows up and he has all the traits that make, like, if you watch it long enough, you'll see why the doctor like it's usually written that why why they lean towards certain people like oh you're going to be a companion because he's like one obviously you're not shaken by strange stuff that's that you need but then in the time when he goes to the docks like without the doctor he's like hey i'm here i'm going to take a bunch of pictures and i do this and all this and when they get to the doctor the doctor's like well what did you do he's like well i broke in i I picture it's like all this stuff is going to be useful this is why you can be a companion is you're a natural like you're doing all the right things and i know that's not enough for you but for me like i 
I instantly see it. All the bits that they do that puts a companion over. And I hate using that lingo, but they do. And I'm like, okay, he's willing to sacrifice himself to help all the little things. So like that and the fact that he, he soup kitchen in the first episode and he didn't want to eat so other people could have food. I'm like, good person. That's all I need for a companion instantly makes me care. Now, as we go on, I'll care more about Dan, but that's a long time doctor who fan. And that's the way I look at things. Mm -hmm. So it was just too jam packed of an episode. And I don't think it's going to slow down with the last four, Joe. Well, we're here for it. Aren't we? We're all you're, 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 you're going to power through Joe. Going to power through. Okay. Like I said, it, the, the stuff with the doctor was really strong. Right. So you didn't even like it when he they, they kept saying that they're temporal this and temporal that and he thought they all like Japanese food? No. No? Or what about when he was doing walk puns? You didn't like that either? No. I will say the bit where the one Suntaran comes in, he's like, Oh, I was looking for the visiting center. I'm a tourist. And he ends up getting the drop on the one Suntaran. And he's like, Yeah. And he turns around, and like six more walk in, and he starts the same speech, like it's going to work against six. I'm like, I love Dan. Dan's awesome. But I get it. If you're just an old curmudgeon, you're going to be that way. No, I get it. You don't get enough for, for you. I get it. It's just that there's so much in this episode, and I feel as though I wish we had a little bit more. Um, you wish it was like your figures, you, you they let it breathe? I wish it was a little, uh, no, yeah, I wish it was a little <laughs> bit more doctor stuff, because like the doctor stuff is so strong. I'm hoping that now that they're all together, that obviously in any episode they will split up to like do little jobs, but they won't have three storylines going on. Do you know what I mean? They'll right. be all together, working together. Um, but you never know. They might do. I, I'm wondering if the the random time traveling that Yaz and uh, uh, Dan do because of the energies, if that doesn't happen again, you know. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. But. And it was a good cliffhanger too. But you know, I and I know it's six episodes, but I really feel as though some of the stuff just could have been spaced out. You know. I agree. Great cliffhanger where the main big baddie snaps his finger and people turn to dust. Man, never been done before, never will be done again. <laughs> well, we don't know if they're turned to dust. It gets cut off. Well, no. Remember he did it to the other Mori that he replaced? Ah, that don't just that don't mean it's gonna happen to Yaz. Well, I'm just saying, I like his gimmick. And, you know, I've, I've never seen it before. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh-huh. All right, so I think we're done here this week. Yep, nice short show. Ugh. <laughs> All right, uh, everyone, thank you for listening to episode 580 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Ooh. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.